Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. Um, my name is Brad Constantine, and let's do Mosiah chapter 21. That's what this one is, Mosiah chapter 21. So Limhi and his people have, been, have pacified the Lamanites, and now they're um, going to try to do an escape here. Uh, they're going to try a couple ways, and this doesn't quite work out. All right, how are we at solving problems? I guess think about that, and we'll talk about that toward the end of the lesson. Chapter 21, verse 1, And it came to pass that Limhi and his people returned to the city of Nephi and began to dwell in the land again in peace. And it came to pass that after many days the Lamanites began again to be stirred up in anger against the Nephites, and they began to come into the borders of the land round about. They probably weren't convinced that uh, that, the, that these Nephites weren't responsible for carrying off the daughters uh, of the Lamanites. So they're, they're, this isn't the whole army that's, that's coming, but probably just a few. Now they durst not slay them because of the oath which their king had made unto Limhi, but they would, they would smite them on their cheeks and exercise authority over them and began to put heavy burdens upon their backs and drive them as they would a dumb ass. Uh, yea, and all this was done that the word of the Lord might be fulfilled. In other words, the Benedite's prophecies. And now the afflictions of the Nephites were great, and there was no way that they could deliver themselves out of their hands, for the Lamanites had surrounded them on every side. And it came to pass that the people began to murmur with the king because of their afflictions, and they began to be desirous to go against them to battle against the Nephi, or against the Lamanites. And they did afflict the king sorely with their complaints. Therefore, he granted unto them that they should do according to their desires. I wonder if this is one of those things where they're asking and asking, and he's finally just saying, oh, go ahead and try. Uh, this is probably not a good idea, and the king probably knows it too. Verse 7, And they gathered themselves together again, and put on their armor, and went forth against the Lamanites to drive them out of their land. And it came to pass that the Lamanites did beat them, and drove them back, and slew many of them. And now there was a great mourning and lamentation among the people of Lemhi, the widow mourning for her husband, the son and the daughter mourning for their father, and the brothers for their brethren. Now there were a great many widows in the land, and they did cry mightily from day to day, for a great fear of the Lamanites had come upon them. And it came to pass that they, their continual cries did stir up the remainder of the people of Limhi to anger against the Lamanites, and they went again to battle, but they were driven back again, suffering much loss. Yea, they went again even the third time, and suffered in the like manner, and those that were not slain returned again to the city of Nephi. Now they know that they will not be able to redeem themselves on their own, but the Lord would have to save them. And so now they're going to have to be humble. Verse 13, And they did humble themselves even to the dust, subjecting themselves to the yoke of bondage, submitting themselves to be smitten and to be driven to and fro, and burdened according to the desires of their enemies. And they did humble themselves <clears throat> even in the depths of humility, and they did cry mightily to God. Yea, even all the day long did they cry unto the Lord and to their God that he would deliver them out of their afflictions. So now they are turning to the Lord, but they're still not serving him yet. Verse 15, Now the Lord was slow to hear their cry. Why is that? 
The Lord who is patient and long-suffering, even with evil, may be equally slow to redeem the transgressor. The seeds of iniquity are not easily uprooted. Time and suffering are a part of the healing process. The blessings of heaven are not cheaply obtained. One hardly merits the company of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the exalted of all ages by the mere profession of faith or the lamentation for sin. A merely verbal repentance is hardly good training for the discipline necessary in keeping the commandments. And that was from Millet McConkie. Continuing verse 15, Because of their iniquities, nevertheless the Lord did hear their cries and began to soften the hearts of the Lamanites, that they began to ease their burdens, yet the Lord did not see fit to deliver them out of bondage. Joseph Fielding Smith said, When we neglect this and other duties, we do not have the same claim on the blessings of the Lord. And he has said, If we are slow to hear him, he may be slow to hear us in the hour of our trouble. The Lord was slow to hearken to the Nephites in their rebellion until they were humbled and so with the Israelites, and this happened repeatedly. We should profit by their example. In our praying, we should seek to do the will of the Lord and not merely to reap some advantage or gratification which may not be the best for us. This is a very significant saying, draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you. Seek me diligently and ye shall find me. Ask and ye shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Whatsoever ye ask the Father in my name, it shall be given unto you that is expedient for you. And if ye ask anything that is not expedient for you, it shall turn unto your condemnation. Therefore, we should not be too insistent, but should pray earnestly, seeking light and to know the will of the Lord with an unselfish spirit. Then, with his spirit, will our bodies be filled with light. Verse 16, And it came to pass that they began to prosper by degrees in the land, and began to raise grain more abundantly, and flocks and herds, that they did not suffer with hunger. The Lord began to bless them, but not to the fullest. They still have to pay for the consequences of their choices. Now there was a great number of women, more than there, were, than there was of men. Therefore King Limhi commanded that every man should impart to the support of the widows and their children, and that they might not perish with hunger. And this they did because of the greatness of their number that had been slain. They were forced to live the law of consecration to survive. Now they are starting to serve one another. Maybe we as a church will be forced to live the law of consecration someday. Just a guess. Verse 18. Now the people of Limhi kept together in a body as much as it were possible and secured their grain and their flocks. And the king himself did not trust his person without the walls of the city unless he took his guards with him. This is how Ammon found the king, remember, with his guards, fearing that he might be by some means fall into the hands of the Lamanites. And he caused that his people should watch the land round about, that by some means they might take their, those priests that fled into the wilderness, who had stolen the daughters of the Lamanites, and that had caused such a great destruction to come upon them. For they were desirous to take them, that they might punish them. For they had come into the land of Nephi by night, and carried off their grain and many of their precious things, therefore they laid wait for them. And it came to pass that there was no more disturbance between the Lamanites and the people of Limhi, even until the time that Ammon and his brethren came into the land. So now the first encounter of Ammon with Limhi was from Ammon's point of view. And now we're going to see it from Limhi's point of view. Uh, the first encounter that we had was back in Mosiah chapter 7 through 8. And the king, having been without the gates of the city with his guard, discovered Ammon and his brethren, and supposing them to be priests of Noah, therefore he caused that they should be taken and bound and cast into prison. And had they been the priests of Noah, he would have caused that they should be put to death. This is the end to the flashback. We now come back to the sequence of Mosiah 7 to 8. 24, but when he found that they were not, but that they were his brethren and had come from the land of Zarahemla, he was filled with exceedingly great joy. The duplication of events recorded here and in Mosiah 8 is because Mormon was being true to the records from which the abridgment was taken. 
Now King Limhi had sent, previous to the coming of Ammon, a small number of men to search for the land of Zarahemla, but they could not find it, and they were lost in the wilderness. Nevertheless, they did find a land which, was, which had been peopled, yea, a land which was covered with dry bones, yea, a land which had been peopled and which had been destroyed, and they, having supposed it to be the land, the land of Zarahemla, returned to the land of Nephi, having arrived in the borders of the land not many days before the coming of Ammon. So having seen the, this destruction of the Jaredites, they thought that this was the people of Zarahemla. That's why they gave up looking for them. The 24 plates were, I'm sorry, back to 27, and they brought a record with them, even a record of the people whose bones they had found, and it was engraven on plates of ore. The 24 plates were called the Book of Ether after its author. Their discovery was not an accident, for when Ether had finished his record, he hid them in a manner that the people of Limhi did find them. He probably just left them on the picnic table um, so that they could find them easily. Verse 28, And now Limhi was again filled with joy on learning from the mouth of Ammon that King Mosiah had a, king, had a gift from God, that whereby he could interpret such engravings. Yea, and Ammon also did rejoice. Yet Ammon and his brethren were filled with sorrow, because so many of their brethren had been slain. And also the king Noah and his priests had caused the people to commit so many sins and iniquities against God. And they also did mourn for the death of Abinadi and also for the departure of Alma and the people that went with him, who had formed a church of God through the strength and power of God and faith on the words which had been spoken by Abinadi. Yea, they did mourn for their departure, for they knew not whither they had fled. Now they would have gladly joined with them, for they themselves had entered into a covenant with God to serve him and keep his commandments. And now since the coming of Ammon, King Limhi had also entered into a covenant with God and also many of his people to serve him and keep his commandments. And it came to pass that King Limhi and many of his people were desirous to be baptized. They wanted to enter into the covenant relationship with God like Alma and his people, but there was none in the land that had authority from God. Little or no effort is made in the Book of Mormon to detail or explain the nature of priesthood and church government. No systematic treatment of such matters as priesthood offices, quorums, councils, or even the organization of the church itself. Such was not its purpose. The Book of Mormon is more a narrative of a family than an ecclesiastical history. What it makes abundantly clear, however, the Nephite prophets leave no question, is the necessity for the ordinances of salvation and the proper authority to perform them. Continuing verse 33, And Ammon declined doing this thing, considering himself an unworthy servant. It's possible that Ammon held the priesthood, but did not hold priesthood keys, which would enable him to perform baptisms. In other words, you have to be authorized by someone that holds keys to, to do the baptizing and to organize the church. Priesthood keys are required. Verse 34, Therefore they did not at this time form themselves into a church, waiting upon the Spirit of the Lord. Now they were desirous to become even as Alma and his brethren, who had fled into the wilderness. They were desirous to be baptized as a witness and a testimony that they were willing to serve God with all their hearts. The covenant of baptism is here aptly described as a witness and a testimony that we are willing to serve God with all our hearts. In turn, it is our right to expect the powers of heaven contingent upon our worthiness to sustain us at all times and in all places we may be in. Continuing verse 35, Nevertheless, they did prolong the time, and an account of their baptism shall be given hereafter. And now all the study of Ammon, and here's what they did to solve the problem, and his people and King Limhi and his people was to deliver themselves out of the hands of the Lamanites and from bondage. So they are studying very hard to find an answer or a way to escape bondage. We need to do all we can for deliverance, then rely upon the Lord. And this is how councils are to work, is to, is to have discussions and, and comments and and uh, figure this out 
there's much revelation that occurs because of councils, especially in quorums and in families, especially in families. I bear testimony to these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.